Good evening. Yes, right. It's so good to uh, be here to see you guys. So, um, already been mentioned, my name is Simon, Simon Fox. That's why Fox's been banded around a couple of times. You can call me Simon. Um, I, um, I've been at the church for two years, um, and for the last year I wasn't around as much. Um, I got back in May, but for the eight months before that I was cycling through Europe and Asia, and um, I visited churches on a route that took me to over 50 churches, and I raised funds and awareness for a charity called International Justice Mission. Now I'm back in Sikup, I'm starting at a school down the road as a geography teacher in September. I did that before, now I'm going back to it. Maybe it's slightly less exciting, but um, yeah, I feel massively called back to come to Sikup and be at this local church. And tonight we're talking about singing with the local church. And um, to start, something big happened this summer. A song took the hearts, the minds of people up and down our country. (laughs) I sang it, you sang it. If your grandparents are around, they probably sang it as well. I sometimes forget the lyrics, so I'm just going to remind myself. Here we go. We still believe. We still believe. It's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming home. Football's coming home. I want you to put your hand up. Who sang that song this summer? Look around and shake your head at the people that didn't sing it. (laughs) So, I want us to think... um, Why as a nation did we sing that song for three weeks? Who did you sing that song with? And what was the impact of us singing that song as a nation? Now, my favorite memory of singing that song, It's Coming Home, it was on Saturday, the 8th of July. If you remember, it was the quarterfinal day. England were playing Sweden in the quarterfinal of the World Cup. It also coincided with Elliot Stagdu. Elliot and, Elliot and Katie recently married. Let's give them a round of applause. So we were going to celebrate Elliot getting married. And um, we were all a bit nervous. It was very hot. We crowded into a room. There was about 15 of us watching telly. And headers from Delhi Alley and Harry Maguire put us forward. 2-0. We got to the semis. But that wasn't the peak of the day. There was 15 of us on this stag do, right? And after the match, we got a train into central London. And as we got the train into central London, we were in the white, the red. We had flags. We had scars. We had hats. And as we got off into the streets of London, I don't know if anyone else went into central London, but we as 15 blokes sung. And as we sang, we would see other groups of men, women, and we would join as one and sing, and we would chest bump, we would high five, we would embrace, and people that didn't even know each other across London would start singing together. It's coming home, it's coming home, football's coming home. Oh, what a day. And if, and if your hairs aren't standing in the back of your neck, then you're not a true England supporter like I was. Um, but yeah, so I want us to, to, to hold that image of people in unity with one voice, song spreading throughout London, and not just London, the whole of our nation. Have that image in your mind as I go on tonight to talk about singing with the local church. So I'm going to cover three things um, tonight. Why should we sing? Who should we sing with? And what will be the impact of our singing? So we're going to start um, with the why. Why should we sing with the local church? 
Now, a good place to start, uh, a guy that wrote a lot of the New Testament, his name is Paul. He once murdered Christians, so if you think that you aren't good enough to be a Christian, you're wrong, because Paul was a Christian, and he wrote most of the New Testament. Um, he wrote 13 letters, and in his letters, four of them he wrote to individuals, and nine of them he wrote to churches. That tells me that Paul was interested in encouraging not just individuals, but groups of people. He wanted to encourage churches. And in a couple of his... Um, his letters, he talks about the impact or the importance of singing. So the first uh, scripture is in Ephesians 5 verse 19 and it's um, Paul giving instructions to his church. It says, have we got it on the screen? No? Let me just say it one more time. Ephesians 5 19, if anyone's writing down, I know there's some note takers here. There we go. Okay. Um, so before it says, do not get drunk on wine. So it's saying what we shouldn't do as Christians, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And then it says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So Paul's telling us as a church to sing, to encourage one another through song. And then in Colossians three sixteen, he says, let the message of Christ dwell among you. Let it dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs. So we should teach each other through singing. And it's not just Paul. Paul's in the New Testament. We can go back to the Old Testament and it says that um, King David who wrote um, half of the 150 psalms, he was a pretty important guy, he was known as the great fighter and a sweet sweet singer of Israel and he told us to sing and in two uh, in four verses I want you to count on your fingers I'm a teacher yet Um, I want you to count on your fingers how many times in four verses uh, King David tells us to sing so first up Psalm 96 two verses get ready sing to the Lord a new song sing to the Lord all the earth sing to the sing to the Lord bless his name Tell of his salvation from day to day. Next verse. I hope you've got a tally. It's Psalm 47. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. Now just turn to your neighbour and say what number you got for those four verses. I hope you're saying seven. So in in four verses, give yourself a little clap if you've got seven. Well done. Um, In... In four verses, King David tells us to sing seven times. So why is both Paul in the New Testament and King David in the Old Testament telling us to sing? So I'm going to say three things of why it's important to sing and sing with the local church. First up, quite simply, singing is memorable. Singing is memorable. We all remember song lyrics. And in Colossians 4 verse 3, it says that we should let the word of God dwell in us richly we should let it dwell in us richly and I know as Christians well Christians non-Christians all of us make a lot of decisions a lot of the time and sometimes we get caught up with how should I make a decision and if we're letting the, the word of God dwell in us richly it will guide our decisions and in Psalm 119 it says your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path so it, it's a light, a lamp to guide my feet and a light, light for my path. So the word of God is going to direct our decisions. So we need to be able to know it and learn it. 
But if I asked any of you here to recite scripture for, say, one hour, I don't think anyone could do it. In fact, Nick's probably the only guy. He studied theology, and I can see him smiling. Yeah, he probably could do it for one hour, not an hour. Um, But then if I was to uh, flip that around and say, who could sing some songs, maybe some Christian songs, for an hour? This summer, I went on uh, on a car journey, and it was... Two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening, it was a long day of driving. But we were in a, a car of five, packed out, and um, if I'm honest, on the way home, two, two hours to go, it got a bit boring, and um, it was a bit dull. And the conversation had dried up, and then one of us just broke in, and it was a bit of a, we are the army of God, sons of, no, okay, and then someone else was, once again, I look upon the cross where you died. You can see my singing voice is also my football chanting voice. And then it finished with, our God is a great big God and he holds us in our hands. And time after time, thank you, anyone? No? <laughs> Cheers. Um, so these songs just kept coming and coming and coming. And together as five people in this car, before we knew it, we were back home two hours had passed. Asked us to recite scripture for an hour, maybe even 10 minutes, we'd find it very hard. But asked us to sing songs, even if it was your first time in church tonight, I reckon you could probably sing one of the songs that were sung tonight. And as we sing songs, we're not just singing songs if they're based on the Bible. We're declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ over us. We are dwelling in the word of God richly as we sing. And if we're going to make decisions that are for God, why not use song to remind ourselves of what the truths of God are like? So that's the first thing. But quite simply, why should we sing? Why should we sing as a church? It's memorable. Secondly, we should sing. And it says in both of these verses in Ephesians and Colossians, Paul says that we should sing because it makes us full of thankfulness and joy. In Ephesians, with thankfulness, and Colossians, give thanks. So as we sing, we should be thankful. Singing switches our attention from what we haven't got. And we all haven't got a lot of things. And it switches our attention to God and Jesus and what we do have. And I just want to share a story from... um, the cycle. So I went through um, uh, about 22, 23 countries and um, part of the trip was to visit churches every Sunday. So every Sunday I would cycle for about six days, maybe five days, get to a local town and I'd visit the local church. And my prayer was that I would be a blessing and encouragement to the people in that local church. And um, I also tried to learn some stuff about church, but yeah, my prayer was that I'd learn and that I would be an encouragement. And I just want to give you um, an example of one church that I visited on one week of those 50 churches. And um, we are going to go to the 30th of January, and I was in India, and I was cycling towards the Indian town of Rajmundri. Anyone heard of Rajmundri? No, me neither, before I went. So... How did it work in India? I would get up, I would eat some idli, dosa, um, pani puri, whatever it was. I would think, why do we have such bland breakfast in the UK? It's so bland compared to any Indian food. 
I'd get on my bike, I'd start to cycle. 30 seconds later, people would be waving me onto the side of the road because they hadn't seen a white guy and they wanted a picture with me. So I'd get off, I'd like pose, I'd take a picture, I'd get on back on my bike. 30 seconds later, it would happen again. And I'd have to drive past that one or cycle past because I'd take all day. And this went on for maybe three hours in the morning. And then I'd stop for some lunch, some rice, some spice, whatever was going on. And then I'd get back on my bike, I'd push through the sun, and then I'd get to the end of the day. And this the end of the day, I was in Rajmundry. And um, what would happen at the end of the day? I'd get to Rajmundry, and I was given um, the number of the pastor. And the pastor this time was Pastor Parent. And um, I had no way of contacting Pastor Parent, but I found a little trick to contact Pastor Parent. What I do, center of Rajmundry, I stopped. You suddenly realize that everything else is still moving. The cows, the sounds, the beeps, the horns, the dust. Every sense is on fire when you're in India and you're on a bike by the side of the road. And soon there would be a crowd, first 10, then 20, then 30. I was doing nothing, but they just wanted to come and see why I was there. What was I doing? Why are you here? What what are you doing? And I would then select one of them. I'd be like, oh, you. Uh, can I use your phone? And then he would give me his phone. I would ring Pastor Parent. Pastor Parent, how are you? Where are you? There's a big crowd. Come quickly. Pastor Parent would say, wait, wait, I'll be there soon. So I put the phone down and then um, 50, 60 people would be now flocking around me. I'm like, I'm going to go and wait somewhere else. See you later. And then Pastor Parent came. And uh, Pastor Parent was the pastor of about 10 churches in the villages around this town of Rajmundry. And... Um, he said, oh, Simon Fox, uh, Mr. Fox, uh, I'd love it if you could come tonight. There's a prayer meeting at one of my village churches. It's quite far up to town, so we'll go to a lodge now, and then we'll uh, go later to the, uh, the church, the prayer meeting. So uh, we found a lodge, and then we were off. But it's not that simple in India. When you're a white guy, you need to be showed off to every relative, every friend, every person that they know. So on the way to the village church, we went to the uncle, we went to the sister's, husband's house, the cousin, and then we each place we had to have some tea, some snacks. And then towards one of the places, Pastor Parent pulls over and he's like, we need petrol. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And he said, oh, Simon, can you pray for this guy? He's given us petrol. I was like, okay. So I got out of the car, put my hand on him, and he spoke maybe Hindi or the local language. I didn't think he spoke English, but I was like, bless this guy, Lord. Open the eyes, his eyes to see you, Lord, and put faith in his heart. And then we drove off. And I said, oh, who was that guy? And he said, oh, you know, Simon, he, um, he was actually from the prison next to the uh, petrol station. And I said, oh, why, why, is, why is he in prison? And he said, oh, he's, he's committed murder. I said, oh, so I've just prayed for a murderer, and he really appreciated my prayer. And I said, wow, God, you're answering this, these prayers for me to be a blessing to the people that I visit. So then we get out of the city and we get towards the countries. It gets darker and there's less street lights and we go down this quite quiet track on a farmyard and then we see in the distance a small light and we're going towards it, get out of the car and there's one building and uh, Pastor Parron is leading me on the outside of the building, not through the front door. And as we go up, we don't go into the first floor, we don't go into the second floor, but we go onto the roof and as my head just goes above the roof, I can see that there are 15 or so people and they are singing. And now it's, it was singing like I've never seen. And even now I'm like, whoa, that was singing. And these people dressed in their, their saris, their...
Here we go. <laughs> um, yeah, dressed in their sorrows. Every eye was closed. Every eye was fixed on praising Jesus. And I was like, oh, wow, the power of singing as one. And they were full of such joy. And, um, and as they sung, me and Pastor Power, and we were led to the front, we obviously got the only two seats that were available. Everyone else was on the floor. And then they stopped. And then they all, they all sat down. And uh, he, Pastor Parent introduced me as this, you know, international cycling gospel preacher. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, if you want to call me that, you can. But, you know. And then um, I got up and I shared just a short message about my trip and about using your talents to glorify God. And and uh, encouraging them to keep on going. And these people were so full of joy and welcome and hospitality. And then at the end, the guy picked up the drum again. He started to drum. And again, they just all started to sing. And as I, as I watched them, I just thought, these people, they've got such reason to be bitter. All of them, any Christian in, uh, in, in India is a Hindu convert. And if you convert from Hinduism, your family disown you, reject you. They met on a rooftop with no lighting. And, uh, yeah, they had like very little money. They had very little. And I was struck that Despite what they didn't have, they were full of rejoicing and thankfulness. Why do we sing? We sing to rejoice because we don't look at ourselves, we look to Jesus. And I'm reminded also of the verses in Acts 16, a similar scene of people singing despite their circumstances. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas, these two men, they're going around preaching the gospel and then they're thrown into prison. And what's their reaction? They don't, they don't become bitter but they, they joyfully and thankfully worship Jesus, for their saviour. And when I came back um, to the UK, well, I'm a bit emotional now, but <laughs> when I first came back and I was in worship services like this, I was overwhelmed because I was thinking back to the churches of the people that I'd seen, singing together, praising God, being so thankful. And I was thankful that as a wider church family across the globe, that together we can sing. Maybe even right now tonight, as we are singing, they are singing still on their rooftop. And we are also thankful for the Saviour that has come. So that's the second point. Why should we sing? We should sing to be thankful despite of our circumstances. And point three, why should we sing? Singing, singing makes us believe. We sung during the World Cup. We still believe it's coming home. It's coming home. And as we sang that, people started to believe that we were going to win the World Cup. I mean, we were never going to win the World Cup. But they started to believe. And I, I, I fell for it, if I'm honest, you know. I believed and heartbroken in that semi-final. And um, maybe a bit more of a profound point or an example is um, recently uh, we went to New Day two weeks ago and it's a youth camp and a lot of guys that had never been to church went to New Day and in a tent of about 7,000 young people, people are singing the truth of the gospel and they start to believe. Because they're declaring the truth of God, they start to believe and we saw so many people, not just in our youth group, in other youth groups, make a recommitment or a commitment for the first time to follow Jesus after singing the truths of Jesus. What you talk about, you love. What you love, you talk about. What you sing, you believe. 
and what you believe, you sing. If we want to increase our faith as a church, let's declare the truth of God. And as we declare it, our faith will increase and we'll start to believe. So, that's why we should sing. Now we're going to have a think about who we should sing with. And I'm thinking about the most practical things for you to take home. So, thinking about what actually can we do? What can you do tomorrow? What can we do this week as a church um, in terms of who we should sing with. In Proverbs 13, verse 20, it says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Well, who you spend your time with, who you sing your life with as a metaphor, you're going to become more like. If we look to Jesus, who did he spend his time with? His disciples. His disciples wanted to become more like Christ. So they spent their time with Jesus. Who do you want to become like in this church? Maybe you know lots of people in this church. You think, oh, they're a, they're a great person. Well, if we read here, well, whoever walks with the wise become the wise. Do you want to become more hungry for God? Do you want to become a greater servant? Do you want to serve the poor more? Why not sing or find someone that does one of those things well, hang out with them, and then you will become more like them? If it's a hunger for God. Now at New Day, I spent a lot of time with, with that guy Sam at the back over there. And he had his life transformed by Jesus in the last year. And he has a hunger to pray, to worship, to know God more. So hanging out with him makes me more hungry. So I want to spend more time with him. Is it serving. Now in the last few months, Abby's come to our church and she's an incredible server. She's got stuck in, she knows everyone. Praying before, who can do this? Abby was the first to put her hand up and say, I will serve. So if you want to become a better server, hang out with Abby. And, <laughs> and is, it, is it serving the poor? Now, where is he? There's Seb. And um, Seb's amazing. He's always sending messages about the food bank, how he can get involved in that. Sometimes I'm walking around in London with Seb, and he will never fail to stop when there's somebody on the street. Ask them how they are. Ask them what he can, he can give them. See, if we want to become more godly, more Christ-like, I'm afraid we can't hang out physically with Jesus. But we've got pretty good people, little Jesuses in here, that we can hang out with. So decide who it is you want to become more like and spend some time with them. And then practically, when we are spending time with these people, what should we do? Two scriptures, um, one in Hebrews, first of all, on what we should do when we are together. It says, let us consider how we may spur one, on, one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And then in Ephesians, it says, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of whom, him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So that was Hebrews 10 and Ephesians 4. And in that verse in Hebrews 10, it says, Do not neglect to meet with one another. Do not neglect. 
Who are the people that make the biggest difference at church? You might think maybe the best preacher, maybe the best worship leader, but it's not. It's the person that turns up week on week on week. Do not neglect to meet with one another. You can make a far greater impact if you're here 50 weeks of the year, just serving, just getting to know people than you can if you're just here once speaking on the stage. And one, another lesson from my trip, I feel one of the biggest cultural lessons I learned coming back home was the sense of community, richness and community that there are in some of these developing countries. And some of the uh, kind of pov- the opposite that we have and that we see in our society, that we're rich in possessions, but we're not so rich in community. And people decide that they're going to build up these walls of privacy or walls of peace and quiet, walls that they build up in their lives, but really they just lead to walls of destruction, walls of loneliness, and, and walls of kind of secret sin or whatever it is. So even as much as not hanging out with the wrong people, don't hang out with nobody. And in, in Genesis 2 verse 18, God has just made man. And it says, um, well, if we think about that, that God has made man. God has had a perfect relationship with man. He's like, yes, I've just made you. You're the best. And then he says, it's not good for man to be alone. So he makes woman. And it's interesting that man is alone despite having perfect relationship with God. And I think more and more since I've come back, I've learned that we all need to be in relationship. We need to sing with the local church. That's how we really find out more about ourselves, more about who we are in Christ. And then in the second verse, it says, meeting together to sing, to build one another up. And I've had a few conversations recently about this. And I want to encourage us, in terms of our building one another up, it doesn't here just say, just build up men to men. Build up women to women. Build up young to young. Build up old to old. Let's be stepping out of our comfort zones, doing things that are slightly uncomfortable. Church is a beautiful place because it has everyone in society. So when we build up our brothers and sisters, look for someone that is different to you, not to someone that is similar. And then finally, a thought on, that, on what the second verse about the body of Christ. And I know there's lots of analogies about the body of Christ, but I just wanted to use one. Um, if, if I was eating an amazing piece of food, my tongue, my taste buds of my tongue would be getting the full sensation of that taste. Let's say it's a muffin. Oh, I love a muffin. My taste buds are going mad. They're like, oh, I'm loving this, loving this. Is my elbow then like a bit jealous of my tongue? I don't think so. In fact, does anyone else do a bit of a food dance sometimes when the food's really good? And you're like, oh, my elbow is fully involved in the taste of the muffin in my mouth. So when there's a verse in, the, in Corinthians and it says, when one part rejoices, we all rejoice. And the opposite is true. If you had a, a muffin and um, you got a bit on your nose, would your hand be laughing at your nose that it's got a bit of muffin on it? 
No, because it's not, it's not a competition. The hand would rise and it would get rid of the bit of muffin on the nose and it would make sure it's all good. So the verse in Corinthians says that when we suffer together, we suffer together. We work things out together. When we rejoice together, we rejoice together. And I was just thinking maybe a, even maybe a bit of a hard-hitting thing. Maybe when I mentioned those people earlier, that's the biggest sign of that. Maybe when I mentioned Sam, you were thinking, oh, I hope he mentions me. And then when I didn't mention you, you were like, oh... But if we fully are the body of Christ, the taste bud that is Sam, when I mention Sam, you should rejoice and be like, yes, Sam's getting mentioned. Champion, I love you, Sam. When Abby's getting mentioned, yes, I'm celebrating because Abby's getting mentioned. So let's be one body celebrating together as the body of Christ. Okay, I, I, I didn't time this, so I'm on to my final point. Let's go for it. <laughs> and, um, finally, so we've looked at why should, we should sing. We've looked at who we should be singing with. And then finally, what will be the impact of us singing together? Um, I want us to return to that original image. Fifteen lads walking around London, singing, it's coming home, it's coming home. Growing in belief, growing in unity, as more people wanted to join in those celebrations. And I want you to dream a dream of what the local church could be. As we, as one body, commit to singing together. I've already said that our nation is crippled with loneliness, with people that feel a lack of purpose, and we have an opportunity to shine as a body of Christ, as a church that is not like that, is not lonely, that is so attractive, that is singing and rejoicing with our England flags, jumping up and down and saying, come and join in, come and join in. And the beauty um, of it is that we sang in a football team that was destined to fail. But as a local church, we sing in an unfailing God. And yeah, in the Bible, it talks about the coming of the kingdom of God. And when reflecting, I thought, that's, that's what the World Cup was, wasn't it? We were almost celebrating that we'd won the tournament when we'd won a game. And that's what the local church is doing. Revelation, it says that one day Jesus will come again and make all things new. At the moment, we still live in a pretty corrupt world. But the church is an example of the kingdom of God here on earth. The kingdom of God is just where God is king, where Jesus is king. And Jesus is king of your heart if you're a believer. So we are an experience of the kingdom of God. We haven't won the tournament yet. Jesus is still going to come, but we can celebrate at the moment because Jesus is living in our hearts. He is king of our hearts. So let's dream a dream of what we could be if we sing, if we take this seriously, that together we selflessly turn up week after week, that we build each other up, that we encourage, we support one another. Like that image of football fans in London, so attractive, so contagious is the joy that is in us that other people can't help but want to come and run and join in with the song that we're singing. And let our song not be, it's coming home, but your kingdom come. I just want to finish with a, a few questions that we can think about and then we'll uh, worship. But now the World Cup is over and the football fans have gone home. Who are you going to commit to sing with? Who do you need to stop singing with? Who do you need 
to start singing with? And will you commit to sing with the local church, Your Kingdom Come? As the bands come up, I just want to lead us in a prayer as um, we just pray into worship. I really feel that God will put in your heart tonight a dream of what singing together as a local church can do. I think as a young person or a young boy, I dreamt big dreams about what God could do through my life or through the life of church, but we kind of lose dreaming a bit as we get older. But tonight is a night to dream. So let's, can we stand and I'll pray. Lord Jesus, as we sing, we admit that you are king. As we sing, we are thankful. As we sing, we join in with the wider church body. Those Christians in India, in the Philippines, we join with one voice in singing. As we sing in unity as a church, filled with the Holy Spirit, I pray that onlookers would just want to rush in. So Lord, we sing to you now. Lord, let us dream. In Jesus' name, your kingdom come.